0: Grace to you in peace from God the Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Still thinking about those lemon bars, aren't you? <laughs> so, some of you actually sitting in this room and several other people have reminded me that we haven't played your favorite game show and mine for quite some time now. So, I thought, you know, it's the Lenten season, there's enough going on. I thought I'd give you a gimme tonight. Who this? William Shakespeare. Thank you. You always win these, all right? Some scholars recently, by the way, not just so recently, they kind of wonder if William Shakespeare ever actually existed. You know, there's more proof for Jesus existed than William Shakespeare. That's not where I'm going with this today. At any rate, people quote Shakespeare all the time, and that's where I got the title for the message tonight in this series that we have coming up. um, That's What's in a Name? That's what he said, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, What's in a Name? That's the title of our message, again, a series that we're going to be bringing all the way to um, Easter Sunday. Um, But Shakespeare only got it half right. He said, a rose by any other name is going to smell just as sweet. Forgive me for paraphrasing there, right? He's going to smell just the same. He's going to smell just as wonderful, and true enough, but I think I saw Mel Rice here tonight. Mel will tell you, I googled this, Mel, there are over 30,000 different kinds of cultivated roses. 30,000. So I want you to picture this actual footage happening right here. Me bursting into Mel's shop saying, I'm in a lot of trouble, I need Barbara's, I need roses for Barbara. And Mel would say, what kind of roses? And I would be, oh no, right? But actually, I do know this. Her favorite are yellow roses. She also likes daisies. So just make a note of that so the next time I come bursting into the room. So if I went into my shop though, she'd say, dude, I got 30 different kinds of roses here. What kind do you want? So I think we can agree in that scenario, we got to kind of narrow it down a little bit, get a little more exacting on uh, what kind of rose we want, uh, you know, different varieties and things, um, purposes for your all. And that, that idea, that, that carries over to all different aspects of life. For example, if your kid sends you to Dick's Sporting Goods, says, hey, dad, we got a big game today and we need a ball and you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, you say, kid, I got you covered. So you got this ball there for the kid, and the kid comes out of the dugout carrying the baseball bat, and he's like, Dad, what are we doing, right? We got to get a little more specific. We got to get a little more exact about what we're talking about here, right? Any Simpsons fans out there? You guys ever watch the Simpsons? Do You know that the Simpsons have been on for 30 years, but it's a cartoon. I don't think it's really fair. Gunsmoke, that was on for 20 years. James Arnaz, I think that's really the, the one that goes along. One of the Simpsons episodes, though, the kid tells her dad, calls her dad, and says, hey, I need a number I need a number four and a half reed for a concert tonight. You've got to bring it to the school as fast as you can. He said, I'm on it. He even writes it down, number four and a half reed. Okay, bursts into the music store, and the, uh, he says, I need a number four and a half reed. The music store owner goes, great. What's your kid play? Um, clarinet, bassoon, oboe, all these instruments with reeds. And he's like, oh, no. And then the guy says saxophone. He goes, yes, 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 that's it, saxophone. Guy says, "Great, alto, soprano, baritone." He's like, "Oh no, you know, sorry." Right. So we got to get a little more exact, right? What's in a name, right? It's details. There are details that go on in a name. That's what we're where we're going with all this. You probably wonder where I'm going with all this right now, right? Again, the series that we're focusing on tonight, starting tonight, we're going to be focusing on until, until Easter, have to do with the names of God, the names of God. Um, and, I'm, and first, you're probably thinking, "Isn't God?" God's name or isn't isn't Lord God's name right and then maybe yeah, you're out after that right what i try to emphasize and focus all the time while i'm standing here while we're reading these words right is that god uses his word and he uses his words to teach us to instruct us to bring us closer to him teach us so that we can be drawn closer to him to to learn to, to trust him more, to learn how to increase our faith in him. right? These aren't just good sounding words. These aren't just Shakespeare kind of words. These are words of instruction to us. These are God's words given to us on purpose. So God uses words to describe himself to us. God uses his words to describe himself to us by teaching us his attributes, what makes him up, And by describing what we can expect from him, he describes what we can expect from him, he describes his attributes in the different names that he uses for himself in his word. He uses to describe these words, again, so that we can more further further to the point, it's important for us to study God's names, the names of God, the way he defines himself. Why? Well, simply put, um, it's an absolute, it's absolutely vital, absolutely vital for for Christians to have a deeper, if not a full understanding, to have a deeper understanding, if not a full understanding, that God's names reflect His nature, reflect His character, reflect our expectations of Him. And I submit to you this, this is where I'm going with this, and this is why we're going to be focusing on, you know, during the season of Lent, we talk about growing in our relationship with God. That's a very generic way of saying things, right? That means nothing unless we put some skin on, unless we put some rubber on the road. Growing in our relationship with God, that's a a great catchphrase and something we just walk out the door saying, yep, I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. And now we're out and we're into the world and we're not really doing anything. We're not doing those things that help us grow in our relationship with God. So that's one of the reasons I'm submitting to you, that not knowing his character, not knowing God's character, not knowing God's attributes, is one of the reasons uh, so many believers, followers of Christ, you know, Christians, they have difficulty fully trusting God, fully trusting God, trusting him not just for the big issues in our life. When we go to him, right, we go to him when there's big things going on in our lives and we feel like, you know, we're at a last resort, so now we'll go to God, now we'll pray to him, right? Right? but even for the minute details of our life. And we don't go to him, and I submit this to you, that people don't go to him because they simply don't know. They have very little knowledge of who God is. Who God is to each and every one of us personally, individually, in our own situation, in our own moment in time. If we simply stop and say, he's God, or stop and say he's Lord, we're missing out on the many different details, uh, different kinds of the different kinds of roses there are in the world, the different kinds of saxophone reeds, right? We're, we're missing out on the details and the, and the form-fitting things that really are meant for us, right? All those things out there in the world, that, so to speak, you follow my analogy there. Don't get me wrong. Let me back up a second. Don't get me wrong. We, we know God, we know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, right? We can probably all say that. I know that part. But my question for us is, and what we're really going to start digging into and what we're really going to start examining ourselves here, do we really have a full understanding of exactly who God is and what God is to his children, to his followers? Do we understand what we can expect from him? Do we understand where he is for us? The names that God uses to reveal himself, and we're not going to unpack them all, but we're going to hit some highlights here in the next few weeks. But the names God uses to reveal himself to us uh, in the hundreds, literally hundreds of different ways um, that we should be able to to know him, right? He reveals those words so that we might know him and know the ways that he works in our lives. You'd be surprised, I think you're going to be surprised, how many times scripture instructs us to know the name of God. You know, and I, I say it with our youth group all the time, and I say it to you guys all the time, I tell you that, I tell our youth group this, we look at the Bible in two different ways. We look at God's commands, and we look at God's promises. We look at God's commands, and we look at God's promises, and I defy you to show me a place where God's promises don't follow his commands, right? And again, we, when we think commands, we think all those shall not things. No, it's not like that. God's commands aren't like that. God's commands sometimes seem like suggestions to us because that's how gently they're put out there. Call to me and I will answer you. Right? Call to me is a command. I promise I'm going to answer you. Getting a little ahead of myself here. I want to go back to Psalm 9, um, verse 10. It says this. Now we're talking about knowing the name, and we should really say the names of the Lord, the multiple names, the way he describes himself. Right. Just not stopping short with God and not stopping short with Lord. Psalm 910 says it very well. And I could have literally picked 20 scriptures and you'll see a bunch of these coming over um, throughout this series. Excuse me, it says, Those who know your name will put their trust in you. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. And again, I submit to you, why don't we trust God for everything? Because we just don't know who He is. We don't understand his attributes. We don't understand the building blocks that God is in himself. It says, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Right? There's promises and there's commands all wound together there. Anyone care to guess the Hebrew word for, for no here? Yedah. Thank you. Yadah. The Hebrew word yadah means I know, but it means more than that, Right? Yada means that your knowledge of something causes you to act on it. Your knowledge of something causes you to act on it. Those who know the name of the Lord put their trust in him. And right now you might be thinking, yeah, I trust him, really. All the time, every time, no matter what happens, we're trusting God we're praising God through everything in our lives. Every moment that we would say was a tragic event in our lives, are we trusting and praising God for that? Well, maybe if we know him a little bit better, maybe we would and maybe we will. If you know God's, if you yada his name, you will act on that knowledge. If we yada God's name, we will act on that knowledge in this instance, in this verse right here, by putting our trust in Him. That's huge. And like I said, you might already think you're doing that, especially as we're sitting here, right? I always call this a sterile environment. I say, you know, we talk about with people all the time, I say, well, that's a Sunday school answer. That's not the answer you'd give me on Friday night at the bowling alley while we're talking about something else or while you're talking with some of your friends, right? You talk to your pastor a different way than you talk to your friends, right? But what's the answer that we always give, that we would give on a regular time? Psalm 91 says very similar things to this. I want to to share that with you, too. Psalm 91, 14 through 16. The Lord says, listen to these promises. I will rescue those, look at the command, who love me. Look at the promise. I will protect those, look at the command, who trust in my name. You guys picking this up? The command, when they call on me, the promise I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. That's a promise. I will rescue and honor. That's a promise. I will reward them with a long life, and I will give them my salvation. Promise, promise, promise. Did you see the commands, though, in there? The Lord says, let's go back to 14, I will rescue those who love me. That word rescue literally means to provide the way of escape. I will rescue them. I will provide the way of escape. So when we think rescue, we think of the fireman carrying the person down the ladder with them over the shoulder, right? Well, that's, that's not what God says exactly here. says, I'm going to provide the way of escape and now go through it, right? That's what we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about temptation, right? That last Wednesday night, if you were here, we were talking about temptation, that God provides the way out. He uses the word rescue for providing the way out. We look at it as a casual suggestion that we may or may not take. But God says, this is my promise to you, and it's the way out. It's the rescue. It's the way out. But he goes on, too. He says, I will protect those who trust what? In my name. Right? Guess what the word trust is here. Yada. Right? It's the verb form. Of, of yada, It's the verb form. It's actually, um, Hebrew w- verbs work a little different than ours do. It's called the perfect tense in Hebrew. Just let me go here for a second because you guys might pick this up and we'll go back over it again. The perfect tense in Hebrew is usually translated as past tense, something that's already happened. Are you with me so far? Just kind of nod a little bit. Play, alo- play along with me. Okay. The perfect tense, I'm going to say it again. The perfect tense in Hebrew is usually translated as past tense, but that's cutting it short. Because the Hebrew perfect tense means it happened in the past, it's happening in the present, and it will happen in the future. So we should say has trusted, is trusting, and always will trust in the name of the Lord. So the the Hebrew, the perfect tense in the Hebrew language of verb um, has more to do with how things happen rather than when they happen. It has more to do with how things happen rather than when they happen. Right? I will protect those who trust, is a verb, who trust in my name. But really we're talking about where the promise comes from because of obeying the command. Do I have to do all that again? For real. I mean, I want you to get this. The verb has more to do with how it happens than when it happens. So think about how it happens. God says, I will protect those. Protect, protect this word means um, to put inaccessibly high, right? Like that city on a hill that you can't reach, you can't get to, it cannot be attacked. Set too high for capture. That's the Hebrew dictionary term of, of this word. It, to, to set it too high for capture. See also synonyms of defend, things like that. Okay, so God says, I'm going to put you out of reach, out of the evil one, out of sin, death, and the power of the devil. He says, how am I going to do that? Because you trust in my name. You yada in my name. You know my name, and you know it to the, pl- to the place where you act on that knowledge. God says, trust in my name and I will protect you. I will put you above everything, right? I will rescue. I will provide the way of escape. This is how God defines himself, right? This is how he says, this is how it's going to happen. To trust in him. Maybe think of it in terms of the results that came about in it, right? The words, trust in the name of the Lord and he will. Trust in the name of the Lord and he will. And then he talks about things, that word protect can also be protect, rescue, honor, reward with a long life. He says in salvation, that all comes up in verse 16, 15 and 16. I will be with them in trouble. Wouldn't that be nice to have? I will rescue and honor them. Verse 16, I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So let me bring it back, kind of back on the ground here. The Lenten season is about growing your relationship with God. That's what we do with these 40 days. We grow with our relationship with God. And I don't know if you were here last Sunday or not, but we had five of our youth up here, right? And one of the challenges that I gave them, you know, before we came up here, they all met with me in my office for a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it took. We kind of mapped out what they were going to talk about. And then to bring things home with them and to bring things home with you, what I, what I told them was, um, at, while we were still at camp at Silver Birch, I said, we get a lot of information coming at us. And I said, just try to take 5% of it. Just 5%. I know that doesn't sound like much, but just take 5% of it and apply it and adopt it in your life. Change 5% of whatever you're doing that's going to bring you closer to God. Not ironically or coincidentally, um, I talked to my daughter this morning, and she just got a new job. She's been there for a, a, a year now. She's very excited. You remember how it was when you got your first real job? By the way, mine was about when I was like 45 or something like that. <laughs> but she said, Dad, I got a raise. And I said, amazing. That's cool. And she said, I got a 5% raise. I said, holy cow, that's amazing. Now, Think about that. Now, if she, just say she made $100, right? No, now she makes 105 Now, next year when she gets a 5% raise, we're not starting at $100. we are starting at 105 now, and we keep building up from there, right? That's how our relationship with God goes. We keep building it, and we keep adding a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and it's a, a compound interest kind of growth that we get with that relationship with God. That's what the Lenten season is about, So again, we're going to be using these next few weeks to unpack the names of God that he reveals to us, that he uses in the Bible to, again, reveal himself to us. He uses those words to reveal himself to us so that we can put our trust in him. We can put our trust in him, in his name, and then we can open ourselves up to the promises that he gives us. God is very clear about all of this. You know, I'm a very transparent person. Right? And I say, when God wants us to understand something, he gives it to us with clarity. There's some things that trip us up, and we're not sure exactly, but when he wants us to, be, when he wants us to understand something, clarity, certainty. He's very clear about his commands and his promises. I got ahead of myself, and I didn't even realize I was doing it, but Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you. What's the command? What's the promise? And then he goes on. He tells you about that promise. I will tell you great and mighty things. Sometimes it's translated as unsearchable things. Unsearchable things that you do not yada. And if we don't know it, We don't act on it. And we're not going to know it until we call on him and say, I want you to tell me these amazing things that you want to tell me. Right? My kid wanted to tell me something amazing today. So she called me. When we call on God, call to God, he says, I've got some incredible things that I want to tell you. How do we grow in our relationship with God? We call to Him. And what does He promise to do? Answer the phone. And then I'm going to tell you some things that are going to blow you away. We're going to work on one name of God just so I can give you a nugget to chew on for the next couple of days until we get to Sunday. Proverbs 18.10. I'm not sure what our signature verse for this series is going to be, but like I said, we could pick 20 of them. This might be one of them. Proverbs 18.10. By the way, youngins, this is a great life verse. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. This name right here, Lord is the Hebrew word you would probably guess. This is Yehovah. Yehovah. Say it with me. Yehovah. The emphasis on the va. And it means this. Yehovah means the existing one. The one true living God. This is the name that Elijah used when I was talking about Mount Carmel and starting the whole thing on fire. That's the name that, that, uh, that Elijah used. He called on the name of the existing one. That's what he said was going to happen. He said, you can call on your gods and you can call on the sticks and stones that you worship over here. And then I'm going to call, it says, on the name of the Lord. You can tell because it's all caps like that. I'm going to call on Jehovah. I'm going to call on the existing one. And you're going to see his amazing power. Elijah. Also Jonah. When they were getting tossed around in the boat and they came to him and said, pray to your God. And he said, this is my fault because I pray to the living God, the existing God. Not those stone tablets and those stone little things, statues over here that you're praying to. He says, I pray to the living existing God. And this is the name that we need to call on, that you need to call on in your times of trouble. Your times of need and your times of praise. Yes, your times of praise. Too often we call on the name of the Lord as a last resort. I call it the weather channel, God, because nobody watches the weather channel when it's 72 and sunny, right? We watch the weather channel when the storms are coming and we want to know how many inches of snow are coming. We gotta be able to call on the name of the Lord when it's seventy-two and sunny and praising him for what it is. And then call on him in the times of the storm so we get a pretty good use to that relationship and we grow in that relationship. So we understand how to talk to him, we understand where he's coming from, we understand who he is. Call on him in times of trouble, times of need, and times of praise. In the next several weeks, we're going to be examining more names of God, how he describes himself, the attributes that he lays out for us. Tonight we learn that he calls himself the existing one, the one true living God, the one that he says, call to me and I will answer you. How can we know that? Because he is the one true living God. And when we see his commands, we see his promises right after that. So if we walk into those commands and we bring those commands into our life and part of our habit, part of what we do every day, then God's promises follow behind those. He wants to hear your news and I guarantee that you want to hear the great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Amen? All right, please stand with me.